Okay, I'm making another latte here. Awesome! I'm using this milk. Have you heard of this brand? What is it? Elmhurst? I don't, I must have seen it, but I don't recognize it. It's really good. It's like, okay, only two ingredients. Just cool. water and hazelnuts. Great. All right, now we're back from our advertising break. <laughs> <laughs> parts of psychiatry about psych meds and how they can be very harmful there's a whole nother you know there's a lot we could say about the harms of psychiatry but we're talking more about medication at this point like yeah. the actual effects of medication maybe you can talk more about your experience you know tapering off meds or whatever you want to share on the topic of medication yeah um, yeah, totally. Um, I tapered. Okay, I should say I tried tapering the first time in 2012 while I was still still in college. And that was because I just was getting no support about my concern about Zyprexa. That was the main thing at the time. Um, so it had been years and I had already seen multiple psychiatrists with the same issue. I'm gaining a lot of weight. I, this is a problem for me. But again, like I already shared, they just blamed it on my binge eating. So it was years had gone by and the scale just kept going up and up and up. So I thought, you know what? I know that no one's going to help me. So I'm going to help myself. <laughs> um, and I had already known at that time that it wasn't a good idea just to stop your medications. And again, I didn't want to stop all my medications. I just wanted to be off of Zyprexa. So I took it upon myself to just take less. And so I started doing that. I just started taking, um, I think I was on the highest amount. I was on 30 milligrams. So I was taking two 15 milligram pills. So I just basically like took one pill every single day for a while. And then from there, I started just taking it a few times a week. And then eventually I was off of it. But what was happening in that time while I was tapering myself off of Zyprexa was my weight was not changing. <laughs> my appetite was going away and my depression was becoming worse. <laughs> but how can I talk to any of my doctors about this? Because if I told them that I'm tapering myself off of Zyprexa, who knows? They would have probably put me in the mental hospital. I don't know. So I was like, I'm just not going to tell them anything. I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. And then this is the other, like, sick part of me that I was thinking to myself, well, if I'm thin, then that's okay. Like, all this is worth it. Like, so, like, not, so, like, mental illness that is so unhealthy 
<laughs> so, but that's where I was at. Okay, that's where I was at. So, it all came to a head. The perfect storm, I call it. Because it was right, like, in finals week. I I had this really toxic relationship, once again. Um, and and uh, something happened between us where I just felt like he wasn't being nice to me. That's what I'm going to say. He wasn't being nice to me. And I just felt so, um, like, worthless, so, like, just really bad about myself. And just emotionally, I was in a very depressed place. And this is what happens to me even to this day. I mean, it's not as extreme as it has been in the past. But even to this day when it's like such extreme like emotions, I feel like I'm like, I just, this is all I can do. <laughs> like I can't, like I can't go to the grocery store. I can't talk to people. Like I just have to be in my bed just like, <laughs> just like crying and just like letting, feeling all the feelings and just like turn off my lights. Like I can't deal with the world. So that's what happened. And um, in that time where I was in that place, uh, I just stopped taking all my medications at that point because I wasn't even drinking water. I wasn't even sleeping. I was just crying, just crying, crying, crying. And, um, uh, and I was also feeling very hot. Now I'm talking about like detox symptoms, basically. <laughs> when you stop taking drugs, which other drug addicts, other types of addicts have been in this place before. Now, and now it's a physical thing as well. Like I can't sleep. It's super hot. And we're in the middle of December. <laughs> I mean, granted, Southern California, but still like you feel cold. <laughs> I did not feel cold. I felt hot. It was like I was in a sauna for like a week. I couldn't sleep for like a week. And also I didn't talk about this part, which I feel like might be the worst. One of the worst, I think maybe the worst um, side effect of medication, which was um, not just insomnia, but sleep paralysis and other things that people might not think is real unless you experience like um demons coming to you okay hallucinating like okay that's what i was dealing with so that contributed not oh and also um astral projection so it wasn't just it started with the insomnia which is bad enough but then also now I, my body, my spirit is leaving my body and I can't control it. And other creatures are coming towards me and I can't control it and I can't move. And I'm aware of all this stuff. So that's also what was happening. <laughs> okay. Um, so this went on for like a week and I didn't tell anybody because I just thought, who's going to help me? Like, who's going to help me? My doctor? I tried talking to them about this stuff. They disregard me. Who else am I going to tell? My mom? What does she know? My friends? What do they know? Who's going to help me? So I was just like in it for like a week. And um, 
so I finally got to the place where I think I pushed out a lot of stuff. So I had a, I was in a place of more clarity. Also, granted, I wasn't eating. So like I really was like a, a cleanse. It really was a cleanse. Crying, sweating, not eating. So I, it came to the point where I had some clarity and I thought, you know what? Uh, it's winter vacation now. And when you're in college, at least my college, our winter break was like a month. So I was like, you know what? Let me just check myself in to a mental hospital <laughs> because I really don't know what the fuck to do right now. I have no idea what to do. And I also thought if I'm in this higher level of care, maybe there's going to be some better doctors that are going to listen to me. <laughs> They're going to really help me this time. So, of course, I felt like I couldn't just do that. I felt like I had to consult with my mom because, yeah, I was still under her insurance. She was paying for everything. Um, so I called her and I I didn't tell her everything that was happening because, um, like I said, my, like my, I just don't talk to my family about things. <laughs> Because of the judgment that I get and, and everything. So I just told her, like, you know, that I was having trouble with it. I think she did know about the medication. I think she did know about that. So I told her, like, I tried to take myself off and I'm feeling, like, really bad. But I think in my mom's mind, she didn't think it was that bad. Because when I told her, like, can you please help me find a place where I can go? She's like, oh, I don't have time for that. You need to take care of that. And I was just like, I've been crying, not sleeping, not eating for a week, detoxing. She didn't get that. And so I'm like, like, like trying to figure out on the computer, like, how do you even with your health insurance? So I called, like I printed out a stack of pages. I don't even know, like a, a stack of pages of all these um, approved treatment centers from my health insurance. And um, they don't tell you when they tell you just like the place, at least at that time, they didn't say like we have inpatient or um, residential, like you had to call. So I had to call all these places while I'm in the state. And so I'm like, hello, can I, do you guys have a residential program? Like so, and they're like, what? They're like not um, empathetic. They're not hearing the pain or the place that I'm in. They're just like, no, we don't have anything like that. Bye. Just like so like not helpful. And every conversation, I felt more and more hopeless. Like, man, I'm reaching out for help. And all oh, next page, next page, they're all telling me no, no, no. So I, I went through the whole stack and I was like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to do? So then I thought, who in my past have I worked with that I felt some connection or some empathy or something? And I thought there was a treatment center that was just a nighttime program. And um, I felt like the, the person that ran it was the most understanding. And so I called that place and I told them what was happening. And of course, they were very understanding. Um, and they were like, okay, Michelle, you can come back, 
but you have to tell your psychiatrist what you did and you have to tell your therapist what you did. And then I was like, uh, why? I told them my problem. I told both of them. That's the other thing. The therapist also knew. And the therapist also was disregarding me. And that's the other thing about the mental health industry is that the therapist and the psychiatrist, like, they're like, they're, they have each other's backs, okay? They're not going to disagree with each other. At least that's my experience. Like, if... If I have any issue with my psychiatrist and I'm talking about it in therapy, immediately the therapist like, well, the psychiatrist knows what they're doing. And then all the other people in the group are like, yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah. So it's like, you have no support. You literally have no support. And, um, and, uh, so, so I was like, why am I going to go back to them? Like, like, fuck them. Like, I hate them. Like, I wish they would die. Like, what? And, and so, and he's like, well, you, if you want to come back, you have to do that. And I was like, Ugh! so I had to go back to them. And I was like, you know what? Boxing gloves on. Let's do this. Come on, come on. And so, so, um, I made the appointment. I walked in there and I, and I just went off on her. I said, you know what? You did this. I told you for how many years, bitch. I even, it's <laughs> just like, so like, it's on now, okay? There's no medications in my bubble now. Now it's just the truth. And she just, she always had this um, type of body language. Like she, ha she would sit back in her chair, her legs crossed. She would always be like this. Like that was her, that was her vibe. Every single session she was like that. And so while I was yelling at her, cussing her out, telling her this was all her fault, she was just like. And so after I was done, after I was done telling her what she already knew, um, she just like, okay, now where's Zyprexa? Here's a new drug. And that started a whole other thing because then I started losing weight faster than I had gained it with Zyprexa. And I'm not going to say the name of the medication because um, it's a whole thing. I feel like if I say the name of it, I just, I don't know who's watching and I don't want people to try to get this drug to lose weight. So I'm, just, I'm not going to say the name, but um, yeah, I was losing like like two to four pounds a day on this drug so within a month i was i was basically 70 pounds thinner in a month in a month <laughs> so i went from like a size 22 to like a size eight in a month okay so I'm just thinking to myself, why didn't, if, if my whole issue was that I was upset about weight gain and this drug was there the whole time, she could have prescribed it to me at any point, not just her, the other doctor too could have prescribed it to me. They didn't. They let it go for years. They saw how I was suffering. I mentioned it multiple times. Years, years. <laughs> Why didn't they do that? Why didn't they 
do that ever. So that's when I was like, okay, I see the game. These people don't care about me at all. They don't care. They do not care. So, um, anyway, I started, I started going back to that, um, group therapy at, in the evening, you know, more years went by. I, um, went to higher level of care a few times after that. Um, actually just one time. Um, and then, um, so I was back on all my other drugs. The only thing that had changed was the Zyprexa to this new drug. And then, um, so once I graduated from college, um, my parents, you know, were very like, well, you're out of college. Well, you need a job. Well, you need to pay for everything now. And so they're like, yeah, you need to pay for your therapy and you need to pay for your drugs and you need to pay for your um, psychiatry. And the thing about getting a college degree it doesn't mean you're gonna get a job and the thing also the kind of degree i had i was a dance major so what kind of career can i have really and also let me just be honest i wasn't a great dancer and i was also the kind of education i got in my um university was very like let me just tell you this. We didn't use music. <laughs> so that's the kind of school I went to. That's the kind of school I went to. So what kind of, um, you know, job opportunities were really available to me? Not that many. Um, and also, too, I kind of felt like my school killed my spirit as a whole thing. But uh, so I didn't get a job for like two years after I graduated. So this whole time, I'm trying to pay for th therapy. I'm trying to pay for my drugs. I'm trying to pay my um, psychiatrist with random money. Just like recycling, selling my clothes. Um, at this time, oh, I was also trying to be a makeup artist. And the makeup artist gigs weren't consistent. So it's like I couldn't go to therapy every week. I couldn't always get my drugs i couldn't always see my psychiatrist so um it was already starting to fall apart and so i got to the point um where i actually felt better like i said um my behaviors were stable after i was in that higher level of care i felt like i was pretty stable in my behaviors so i thought like maybe this is a good time to start tapering um and I brought that up to my psychiatrist at the time, and she immediately was like, you have a chemical imbalance. You're going to need these drugs for the rest of your life. And that got me really angry. I was really upset about that because I'm like, you're basically telling me there's no hope for me. You're basically telling me I'm just sick forever and just deal with it. And I'm like, I don't believe that's true because I feel better. And I have worked on myself. So clearly there is hope. And I'm like, eh. and also, like, I can't even afford this anymore. So I was like, I'm just going to not do this anymore. And um, so I, I, with, the, with the medications I still had, I just tapered with that. And luckily, I did not experience any negative effects from that tapering. And I think I have to give credit to the personal growth I had made, you know, like 
of course saying um some therapy did work clearly because i was able to be okay mentally um and also um the fact of being in a treatment facility with like regimented eating and like learning more about food um and and making more peace with food like so like nutritionally i was in a better place and also i had started working as a dance teacher so i was physical i also loved what i did i also felt like i had so much love and support at my job and i also moved out of the house um cuz after i graduated from college i was living with my abuser for a couple years while i was not employed and so at that point i was away from my abuser so there's just so many aspects that were good so i feel like that's a probably the a big part of why i didn't feel negative effects of tapering and i also have to say maybe um just certain people like constitutionally they're born maybe a little bit stronger in a way and so they can handle i don't know i i really don't know because i had no guidance okay i don't i had no support so i'm just like looking back and putting what i know now on that situation but yeah that was it <laughs> okay that's amazing i think um i think what you're explaining about like going through it and experiencing all those dark like demon-esque things like when you were going through that that matches up with a lot of the experiences that I've read about and heard about with people tapering off their medication that they kind of go through that like um it feels like a very intense like darkness with some quote-unquote psychosis or paranoia or like like you said like astral projection like weird things that are just like um kind of like an out-of-body experience yeah I've heard I've heard that and What's so interesting about those symptoms, or I don't even know if you want to call them symptoms, like that experience, yeah. is that it does match up with a lot of what mania and psychosis looks like. Like when you explained that, I was like, okay, yeah, I've experienced that, but, but for me, that was like, that was mania, that was psychosis, that was, you know, the illness, the episode, etc. cetera. Um, and I think that for, um, so many people like they get stuck in that in that wheel of oh you're experiencing these symptoms because you tried to get off your meds oh you're you're actually ill this mm -hmm. is actually the illness and then the cycle repeats over and over again and you know there's so much about mania and psychosis yeah that that is so much in line with the experience of detoxing like you said, yeah. not having an appetite, sweating, not sleeping, all of that. And so I think it's interesting that when you're able to see those symptoms in a different perspective, like, okay, maybe this actually means I'm processing something. Maybe this isn't just total dysfunction. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe there's something more to this and maybe it will pass on its own. And so many people don't have the experience to or have the opportunity to entertain that possibility yeah. because it's like automatically you're sick again you yeah. know <laughs> I just, 
jumped over me.
Yeah. What if we actually did uncover root causes at an earlier age Mm -hmm. instead of just being told that this is the way to do it? Um, I think of so many people who have been in that situation and who come out of it just, I mean, some people don't make it out, you know, that situation, you know, and that's where it gets, it gets really sad, you know, like yeah. we very much are psych survivors because we've been through all of that. And, you know, to an outsider, it might not seem like a big deal, like whatever, just get help. But to us, it's like the help wasn't helpful. The help did not help us. It's mm-hmm. complicated. It's not that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we have to like be resilient and we have to fight our way out of it is um, pretty pretty sad like that we have to do all this work just to escape it just to you know feel free and and be free um so I think that's that's really interesting how are things now I I know that you um are obviously open about this but you also talk a lot about nutrition I think that's really interesting the macrobiotics um approach Mm-hmm. You want to share more about that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I have to say that since transitioning from my, because when I was stable with my ED, like I said, I was still depressed. I still hated myself. I still um, had low self esteem, bad body image. So. Yes, I was stable with my eating and I knew more about food. Like, you need carbs to live. (laughs) Like, carbs are not evil. Um, And just, like, different things. Like, why do you need this nutrient? Like, to me, it's basic nutrition. Um, But it wasn't, still, it wasn't healthy, I would say. It wasn't healthy because how often was I eating vegetables? Once a month? That's not healthy. Like, no matter what, that's not healthy. Um, And then also, I was consuming so much caffeine, so much sugar, um, and a lot of dairy. That was, like, my main diet, which is not very balanced. Like, even if you were to eat all that stuff, it wasn't even balanced. So, um, so like, more more, um, time went by. In my late 20s, I met... Or... When I got the dance teaching job, my dance teacher, my boss, she was, I was, I would say maybe one of the best dance teachers, best mentors. I learned so much from her. She was one of the best in my, in my life. Um, but she told me, like, she, she, she told me, like, when she hired me, First of all, I was like so shocked that she hired me because it was like two years of interviewing and being rejected. And so much was riding on me getting a job so I could be away from my abuser. So, and I just had gone gone through so much. And I, and like I said, I felt like my school had killed my spirit. So I even felt like I don't even belong in the dance world. Like what good am I? I'm useless. You know, like, I can't count music. I'm My technique is horrible. Like, I'm overweight. Like, all these things. So, when she gave me that job opportunity, I thought she was, this was saving me. And she told me, like, um, the type of 
ballet that they were teaching is a worldwide, like recognized syllabus. And that if I trained in this syllabus, that opens more doors for me, better jobs, more opportunity. So I was like, yeah, oh my God, great. And then pretty soon into it, she told me, you know, a lot of people have a bad experience in ballet when it comes to their dance teachers and body image. And I'm not 1000% I agree not to discredit, but at the same time, it's like, this is an art form that relies on our physical ability. So it's not like, it's not like um, your physical body can be, it can be anything, but at the same time, if you want to do the best that you can do, you have to treat it the best that you can. You feel me? Like you can't starve yourself and expect yourself to perform at your best ability. So same thing goes, if you don't nourish yourself properly, you're not going to be the best dancer. So anyway, so that's basically what she told me, but she said, she said it like this. She said, um, if you want to be the best dancer you can be, you have to lose weight. That's what she told me. And after all that stuff I had been through, alarms were going off in my head because I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to do this and not go back to what I just worked so hard to leave? And so I was like very careful about what I looked at because I knew, I know that uh, especially in that time, everything was so focused on weight loss, so focused on weight loss. So I didn't want to look at that stuff. So I would type into Google um, diet for dancers. What should dancers eat? I wanted to be very specific. This is to improve my dancing. Everything else, I don't care, okay? But what I was finding was basically stuff I already knew. Protein builds things in your body. Okay, I know that, so who cares? And it said like, this is where you get protein. Uh, you know, chicken and fish and beans and, and I was like, cool, but like, how does that make me a better dancer? Like anyone could read this and it can apply to anyone. So why is it specific to me? So I um, just was like, whatever, I'm not even gonna look at that stuff. Okay, let me just look at what I'm eating. Well, I'm not eating very many vegetables. Let me just like throw some vegetables every day. Who cares? If I don't like it, it doesn't matter. I need to eat some vegetables. And then I was also thinking like professional athletes cross train. Okay. So what am I doing? I am a professional dancer. I need to cross train. So I was like, but I'm also not going to go crazy about it because when I had done that in the past, I lost my period. So, mm. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. I went through something very similar where I'm like extremely cautious, like almost a trauma response. Like I can't get too much into it. And there's so much, it makes so much sense, especially because a lot of these approaches are extreme and you don't want to fall into extremes. Yeah. But it was interesting that I went through something very similar where I, I wanted to, it was with weightlifting when I first started getting back into it. Like I didn't, I was like, okay, this could become an unhealthy obsession. I need to be careful about yeah. it. And the, the strange thing about that is that even the most common sense things that like we should all be doing for our health are considered extreme. 
you know, like, like being plant-based, that's considered extreme. Yeah. You know, even it, it on all areas of the spectrum, mm-hmm. everything seems extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like in the fitness world, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's hard to navigate, right? Because internally you want to protect yourself. You don't want to um, become too obsessed. And I think it does show a lot of growth. I'm sure it showed growth on your part too, mm-hmm. that you were able to at least identify that and be a little careful, even though sometimes it can kind of hold us back sometimes because we are extreme. The thing is we can do it. We yeah. can be extreme. Yeah. We can go there. We yeah. know how to do that really well. Yeah. So it's interesting how, okay, so continue. So macrobiotics, you found because that was something that kind of was that, um, you know, I don't want to say medium, but like it was something that made sense to you in terms of flexibility and freedom with food, but also honoring um, the healing nature of food. And also, um, I've listened to a lot of what you said about um, plant-based eating and how certain people from a heritage perspective do eat meat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) People in snowy you know regions near the poles or whatever like, I, I love that you point that out because um i think that it's it's important to acknowledge that that yes some of us in our in our bloodline somewhere we we may have relied on you know a higher fat keto like diet or something mm-hmm. you know um <clears throat> and um i i really appreciate that about you and, and what you share because i'm sort of like a a flexitarian yeah i i eat mostly plant-based but i'm i try not to be super rigid about it because going down that road can be um a little destructive but i appreciate also how you know the health culture i'm not talking about diet culture but health culture yes and mainstream and the industries and everything are sort of shifting in the direction of okay we can be open to multiple perspectives you know it's still yeah. very pro- profit driven yeah but at least we're, we're starting to acknowledge that different diets exist for different people and that's okay yeah you know <laughs> yeah i'm so happy about that totally yeah um yeah so yeah just to like kind of continue more of like how I got into macrobiotics so yeah I was in that place and then the universe god whatever the higher power that I trust and believe in so much um never stopped believing by the way uh I I met my boyfriend there was a because I was in the cycle of just like going to work coming home going to work coming home and I had I was living with roommates, but it was, like, not a good situation. Um, I didn't have my friend. I didn't really have friends. And so that's all my life was. And I felt like I need more, like, love in my life, not necessarily romantic. But I just need more, like, human connection, you know? And and I, I did have that human connection at work, but it was with, like, children. Which, I mean, they give you pure love, but, like... At the same time, like, you know, you need your adult um, peers. So one day I was just like, I can't be in this cycle anymore. I have to go do something. And so I just searched on Facebook, like, events today or whatever. And I found there was a swing dance. 
And um, if you guys don't know, because some people think it's a sexual thing, it's not. It's swing dance from like the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, with jazz music, okay? <laughs> people, people get like weird sometimes when I say that. But anyway, so, um, and it's mostly like senior citizens, the place that I went to. Um, it was at a church and I went there by myself and I was so anxious because I never do stuff like that. I never just go somewhere new by myself. And so I was just like, already the anxiety was so built up that I had tears in my eyes. And I was just like sitting, like not blinking because I didn't want the tears to come down and people see me crying. Like how, how embarrassing. So I was just like looking at everyone's feet like, okay. And sp someone asked me to dance, and after that, it was fine, you know? Then other people started asking me to dance, and it was fun, and I couldn't wait to go back. So then the second week, I went back, and I met my boyfriend, and um, he started talking to me about, he started asking me questions like, yeah, so where do you grow go grocery shopping? Oh, what's your favorite food? Like, he was just like, you know, um, asking me questions. And um, I thought it was a little bit weird because I'm like, what's this random guy asking me questions about what I eat? What is he trying to say? He's trying to call me fat. Is that what he's doing? So I was already like on edge. Like, what is this guy doing? Like, shut up. Like, do you want to do you want to get punched? Because I'm ready. So I was like answering his questions, but I was very defensive. And um. Anyway, so some time passed. We got to know each other. We're friends at this point. I had a crush on him, but, you know, he's much older, so I didn't know what was happening with him. I was just like, whatever, this is a friend at least, okay, this human connection. Um, but, yeah, he started to introduce me to macrobiotics, and when he first was talking to me about it more, when he started to say this is what it is, it's an ancient lifestyle, and he would say, like, people have overcome incurable diseases mental health issues like if you change your eating you can feel better i was like eh, yeah right yeah right uh-huh yeah okay sure whatever <laughs> like i was like mm -hmm, okay another diet yeah cool i know what that's about mm -hmm. um so he was like we got into many fights about it um so he was like well who's your he's like who's your favorite actress because he there's a lot of famous people that have used macrobiotics, that have done it, that still do it. So he's like, who's your favorite um, actress or favorite celebrity? And I was like, oh my gosh, I love Alicia Silverstone. She's my favorite. I love Clueless, like all this stuff. He's like, oh yeah, well, she, you know, she does this. And I was like, what? No, no. And he's like, yeah, she wrote a book. I was like, no, no. And so he got the, he got the authors mixed up. Because there's actually a different um, different lady that wrote a book. Um, but basically, it was a hip chick's guide to macrobiotics written by a comedian named Jessica Porter. And she has helped a lot of celebrities write like health books. So anyway, she wrote this book about macrobiotics and she wrote it in a relatable way. It wasn't like if you read older macrobiotic books, they're more like because they're written by older Japanese men, okay? It's a different narrative. So so her book was so, like, 
just like I was talking to a friend or listening to a friend talk about food. And so she was not talking necessarily necessarily about nutrition, carbs and protein. She was talking about vibration and um, energy. And so that, like I said, I always believed in a higher power. I always believed in God. I always believed in things, intangible things. And anytime like someone talked about woo-woo stuff, I was always like, yeah, I get it. Like, even as a child, I, I didn't even question it. It was like, yeah, I understand. I get it. It's not weird. It's not scary. I get it. So when she was talking about vibration and energy, I was like, ah, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language. And she was saying how, like, whatever you want to be in this world, you can eat to do that. And you just eat according to you know the energy that that whatever that requires and i was like this is what i'm looking for but at the same time i was like okay i've read many diet books and i went all in and i know it's all bullshit so i'm just gonna do a little bit and just see what happens like what's this is a health book talking about being healthy and my dance my boss is telling me i need to lose weight what do i have to lose nothing so let's just try it and so i just did a little bit little bit of changes and the first thing i noticed was my mental health i used to have really bad road rage and i noticed one day when i was in the car you know i'm like at a stoplight and had my music going and i was just like Ugh. and i was like wait a minute this never happens like what is this Okay, I think it's the food. And so I started like like reading more and trying more stuff out. And it was just like benefits just kept coming up. And honestly, benefits still keep coming up. So. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I think that's so cool. I, I definitely, especially getting into like cycle syncing and stuff. Like I, I, um. The way that I, well, I don't know if this is true for macrobiotics, but it sounds like it's very mindfulness-based. Like, I can just imagine, you know, you you pay more attention to how food makes you feel versus, like, getting caught up in, like, oh, what are the, mac what are the not the macros, macrobiotics, but macros, like, protein, carbs, and fat. Like, yeah. What is it, you know, and instead of looking at it in this, like, very rigid way, right. you, you listen to how your body feels and see your body changes and your mind changes when you eat certain foods and like um over the years I've also learned how to do that too because um with binge and restrict cycles I would I would you know I would look at food as good or bad you right know? I wouldn't and I if I ate something fried or if I ate something that wasn't raw vegan which very extreme yeah <laughs> I, I I would go down a spiral of course the medication didn't help that being on medication didn't help those, those, you know, binges. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you have mindless eating and then you have mindful eating and it sounds like microbiotics is kind of in line with that. And also what I learned through like raw food, raw vegan eating is like, I started to realize like how much even just eating a salad can like make me feel like so good eating greens or 
eating sprouts and things like that where um, I'm eating food that's raw and like alive versus what it feels like to eat like a sweet potato or something like I was able to recognize like okay this food is making me feel certain ways I do feel a little more grounded when I'm eating you know these these more like root root vegetables and things like that so um but it also carried over into like just everyday food like nowadays if I'm out in like a food desert and I need to order some french fries or something like I'm okay with that yeah I'm okay with it I don't I don't it doesn't send me into a spiral because I'm like okay here we are and I'm still able to sort of process and like channel through it and still come out okay but most of the time I'm gravitating towards healthy food and I even crave it I even crave like a big a big salad Mm -hmm. or soup or something like and I'm very grateful that even though raw veganism was very extreme it did teach me how to make like a really good salad yeah (laughs) to this day I'm like I can eat a huge I can eat like a whole bag of like arugula or something and it's because I learned I wasn't afraid of you know um afraid of that so like yeah, I think that's so, that's so cool. I was going to comment on something else you said um, about it, but, oh, yeah. Do you think that raw foods have a special effect on the body? Now, I took a nutrition class back when I was raw vegan, so mm-hmm. I was only like 18 or 19 years old, and mm-hmm. I remember the professor just like humiliated me because I raised my hand and I was like don't raw foods like have more more of a you know more of a nutritional profile mm-hmm. and um someone else raised their hand this like smart Alec guy yeah was like was like oh well you know your stomach acid breaks everything down anyway so it doesn't matter mm. if the you know because with raw food like um when the food's cooked, it changes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it changes. Yeah. And so it was such a, like, I ended up dropping out of the class. I was like, screw you guys. You don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Because <laughs> to this day, I know that's true. I know for a fact that when you eat something raw, it has a different effect on your mm-hmm. body. Not to say raw food's better. There's certain yeah. foods that are better if they're cooked. Um, but maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that because that's like, my one of my main takeaways really from from going plant-based is that is what it feels like to eat a lot of greens and eat a lot of raw foods yes oh my gosh this is such a good thing to talk about so yeah i mean definitely what you said um when you cook the food it becomes different this is the whole um one of the whole things about macrobiotics is like things always change and that's what's so empowering is like when you know how things change and how to transform things how to make balance that put puts you in the position to have better control over how like i don't want to say control over how you eat because that also sounds kind of like diet culture-ish but it's like you do have better control you can use food to support you and whatever you want to do if you want to be this if you want to be that if you want to overcome an illness if you want to manage an illness whatever okay you can do that so um yeah food does change or um 
cooking does change. And this is the thing. Um, I was never raw vegan, but, and I do have a thing about that because I always associate it with diet culture, but I have learned more about it and I see that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It's just the way that it's presented is very diet culture. But um, you can say that about vegans, you can just like a regular, you can say that about really anybody. There's even macrobiotic people, I would say, that present macrobiotics in a diet culture way. But anyway, so that's how you know they're not really understanding macrobiotics. But anyway, <laughs> I can name some names if you want to DM me. I can tell you who. Anyway, um, <laughs> they don't, they're too old to know how to manage social media, so they'll never see. But anyway, okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, so, um, so yeah, so when we use fire, to cook things, it's not only nutritionally changing. This is what I was gonna say, is that the whole thing about the raw vegans is that they think that cooking is bad. That's basically what they think. So if you cook the food, you change the nutritional profile, so then it's bad. Not really, not really, not really. So um, you just, it changes, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Some people, need more of that warming energy. Like if you live in the snow, like what like what balance are you making if you're making acai bowls with coconut and banana and like all these foods that come from the tropics, you don't live there. Why are you eating that? It makes no sense. Like it's cold. You're surrounded by snow. Why are you eating basically fruit snow? Like it makes no sense. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. But anyway, so, um, so there's that. But then the other thing is like what you said, like you, like you have experience, you do feel better when you eat like a lot of greens. And so that comes from, this is, um, the energetic understanding of macrobiotics is like the way that the plants grow, they grow. I mean, some, vegetables grow downwards but a lot of like leafy greens they grow upwards and they open so it's like opening yourself up like opening your energy up in a gentle way because there's other foods that open up your energy but it's like more extreme like I said like um tropical fruits they grow in a tropical environment and they grow taller and they grow even like pineapple, the leaves grow like that. Agave grows, the leaves grow like that. Whereas like kale, the leaves are, they kind of go out, you know, but they don't grow as tall as a coconut tree um, or a pineapple tree. Um, or don't they grow in a bush? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. But they grow in a hot place. Um, they don't grow in the snow. So it's... Um, the the energetic charge of it and um yeah vegetables are just a more another thing about vegetables they're very they have a lot of um chlorophyll and that's why lately if people are into supplements um people have been taking chlorophyll supplements which is like um just very concentrated 
stuff from vegetables which i always this gets to another thing i always recommend you eat the actual food because what happens is people rely on supplements and then they think they can just eat they don't need to change their eating when in reality your eating is more important than the supplements the supplements are just like an extra thing if you need it for a certain time kind of think of it like as medication maybe but anyway um there's just been, it just helps your, um, your blood quality just have more oxygen in it and just things move better. I mean, and that's just not even talking about the fact that they're fibrous and they help you eliminate, um, and they help, you know, all the, all your organs. It's just a more, um, direct source of of nutrients like that symbi symbiotic with your body we're meant to eat plants mostly um but uh yeah i don't know i feel like i'm going on so many tangents about that no that's okay i think that's so interesting and in how um you know like you said your boyfriend kind of like introduced you to it so you were able to look at it from a like you said, everything happens for a reason. And like yeah. you, know, you, you were able to be introduced to it in such a way where you don't feel it's, um, you know, invading, you know, your 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 own, your you know, your own healing journey. You know, it's not holding you back. It's giving you power to dive into something with all of the knowledge and still feeling like you aren't being like consumed by it you know yeah. maybe I'm projecting a little bit by saying that but for me that's so important and it's like I uh with and that's why also just as a coach like I when I'm teaching something I try not to be so like religious about it yeah you know, because i i want to make sure that like my clients are doing things out of their own free will mm -hmm. and wanting to look into it um into strength training and also you know mindful eating eating for goals um and yeah making it their own you know mm -hmm. making these um habits into rituals that are actually things that you actually you know enjoy doing yeah um it's so important and i see that too with you and your cooking and everything it's like um taking even taking the time to cook and prepare your food i think has such an important role in how we feel about what we're eating mm -hmm. you know it's like i can I, I think that also, I don't know if that's part of macrobiotics, but I, from what I've seen and what you've shared, you very much like embody that, like, you know, that element of making it your own, cooking yourself, picking the, the um, in-season fruits and vegetables and making, yeah, just kind of making it your own, making it fun. Um, you, know, you know, in diet culture, we forget to have fun. Yeah. Like, food is so fun. Like, I love food. I love eating. This is, like, a whole thing. Like, I always loved food. I always loved eating. But it's, like, I think a, a huge factor was, like, but it's, but you got to watch what you eat. Like, the diet culture. Like, you know, the expectation of how people should look. You know, that got in the way. And so I had to suppress my love of food. So, of course... Of course, that's going to put me in a 
binge restrict cycle and it's like why don't we just like embrace that we we love food can you just admit it food tastes good it's fun yeah. to eat food <laughs> like okay you don't have to shame about it who cares like everyone i i really find it i really when people say oh yeah i'm not really into food i'm like something's going on there girl something yeah something must be happening there yeah 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 i, yeah, I, I way I've never I've always loved food and like I think from a very young age too I always wonder if you know if I did go through mood swings when I was younger I think I did because I remember going through phases of feeling kind of fatigued and then I remember being like kind of like sometimes an introvert sometimes an extrovert so but but despite that I've always been into food like food I've always been like well even growing up like I kind of always had like a slender body type but then I would eat so much medications completely changed my body type but that's like another yeah (laughs) that's another story but basically what I'm trying to say is that as a child I think I was definitely using food to to sort of I don't want to say self-medicate because it, it wasn't like a, a pathological type of behavior that I was exhibiting. Mm-hmm. It was more so like I knew my favorite fruits and I knew what foods I liked and what I disliked. All of that is completely normal. But yeah. on another level, I was also very mindful of how things made me feel. And, you know, I, I, yeah, these are things that I always think about because I'm always wondering like, where did things go wrong? You know, why did I end up having symptoms of mental illness? Where did it come from? You know, I had a good relationship with food. I was active. I had a social life. You know, I, I can't really say that I had a major trauma that could have caused it. I had little things here and there, but I was always able to sort of like self monitor myself and I did that a lot of the times with food mm-hmm. um, um, do you think that that for you you know going through high school and also at that time at such a at such a you know when all these changes are happening to our mental and physical bodies mm-hmm. what was your relationship with food like then because at my school, it was like pizza, chips, and like we had the worst food to choose from. Same. So unless you like packed your food, <laughs> like you were eating basically shit food. Yeah. Um, but how did, do you think that played a role in anything, uh, you know, going into high school and with your mood? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, the thing was, I already started restricting um, in middle school. And even like my, I was a vegetarian (laughs) when I was 10 um but I said I said because what people knew about me I was always more like like a hippie child I really feel like that's that's what I am I'm like a hippie girl um I was always like that and I that goes into a whole thing I just always feel connected to the 60s and that's just like I feel home but um yeah but um but so i thought because my abuser also had 
EDs. Um, and then my best friend growing up, she also had stuff going on with her weight and her eating and just like very chaotic. Like it was just a whole thing. Like she would cry, like she would, she would say like, oh, let's go weigh ourselves. And then like, we'd go on the scale. And then if I was one pound thinner, she'd have a tantrum. And then I'd have to go home. Like it was just a weird thing. And then she was always trying to make me eat more. It was just a whole thing. <laughs> so I was already like aware of stuff like this. So, and also I was um, a chubby baby. And then I got, you know, you're Latina, or I don't know if you identify as Latina, but <laughs> Latin X, whatever you identify as. So, um, <laughs> so, um, I don't know what I am, by the way. Well, we're both half, we're like hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, so when I was, when I was little, they would call me gordita, gorda, which is like, it really, it means fat, but like in, in Spanish hispanic culture it's like a term of endearment for a baby you know it's like cute like look how cute you are so they grew up calling me that and then me also being white and not really understanding like where did that is a term of endearment i thought everyone's calling me fat like geez like okay like stop like i get it i'm chubby okay but it's like as i got older i was like a normal child but they were still calling me that. And then they were kept kept reminding me, remember when you were so fat? You were so fat. And I was like, okay, I get it. Like, chill out. Stop it. The, so, yeah, the, the way that it's just so, yeah, it's very normalized. And, like, it's very weird to me. And, like you said, I, I'm the same way. I never really learned Spanish, even though both my parents – and all four of my grandparents speak Spanish. Somehow I didn't end up speaking Spanish. Um, but uh, for me, it was kind of the opposite. Like, I was always really bony, like, as a kid. Um, and I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was different. I don't know if I, if I feel that way. But I remember other, um, I remember other family members being referred to that way. Um, and definitely, um, more so directed at like males, mm. not so much females, but I know that it's like, it's, it's weird. Cause like you said, it's partly a term of endearment and then partly like, uh, it becomes your character. Yeah. That's, it becomes like uh, who you're supposed to be or yeah. who you're expected to be. Um, which is weird. And I feel like it, it's, there's always been in on my, my, my mom can speak Spanish, but she's white. She was born in Colombia. Long story. But my dad and his side of the family is all um, like Mexican American. And, um, you know, I, I grew up always being fed, like always wanting to eat, always given food, always encouraged to eat. Eating's good. Eat all you need to eat. Yeah. Eat more on top of that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird. It's like on the one hand, they're like, yes, eat. And on the other hand, they're like, you know, using language like that. So it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, by the time I was in high school, I was all very, I was already like very like, 
that first year of high school, I was the most like, like regimented. Like I really was not eating. Like I really wasn't. Um, <laughs> and then I also was exercising a lot. So that's what happened when I lost my period. And um, yeah, so and, and going through high school, um, then I was like on other diets, but like it was very, I was very restrictive. People could s clearly see like I never ate what other people were eating, if I ate at all. Like, and then I was also like, there was a point where I was trying to be normal. That's why I said I was ve vegetarian because I was like, oh yeah, they're just going to think because I love animals. Yeah, so it works. But then there came a point because you can't hold all that self-hatred in for that long without coming out. At least I couldn't. So like around high school, that's when I started verbalizing like, oh, I'm so fat. Ugh. Like all the time. That's like all I would talk about. And I think back and I'm like, how did I have any friends? That's like all I talked about. All I talked about. <laughs> so it's like if I wasn't talking about that, I was reading or I was doing dance. So it's like, I was not a good time. <laughs> I was not a good time. So yeah, so, um, but you, you know what I did get a lot of? Like, a lot of people looking at me like, Michelle is so healthy. Look at her, look, she eats salad all the time. She eats, look, she's just having a cucumber. Look how healthy, like I got that, um. which was like, uh, I have a mental illness. This is not healthy. <laughs> you know, like, don't be looking at me like that. Like, don't. Like, like, stop. Like, no, you're actually healthy because you are enjoying your life. And you're not, like, you'll have a salad here. You'll have a burger there. Like, you're good. I'm the one that's fucked up. <laughs> so you knew, like, knew something was disordered about it and like you were aware that you were kind of trying to hide it I it think almost seems like yeah yeah like like I mean people like to say oh like when people have behaviors like this like oh it's a cry for help like oh you're doing this for attention yeah to like signal that something's wrong and like um it's it's so weird because food is just Especially now in the culture where it's like, don't comment, don't say anything, don't yeah. say anything at all. Don't comment on their body shape, don't comment on how much they're eating, don't comment if they lost weight or gained weight, don't comment. Yeah. That is like the messaging that I'm seeing a lot in anti-diet culture. And yeah. valid, that makes sense for a lot of people. Let's talk about deeper topics other than what we're eating. I get it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we also need to be able to have upfront and honest conversations with our friends and family about you know, where, where this all or nothing thinking is coming from and, and all of that. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I think it sounds like maybe you were kind of on the one hand wanting to hang on to this vegetarian thing, but then on the other hand, kind of like on some level, maybe hoping someone would be like, wait a minute going on here <laughs> I yeah I did I did you know what it really was because I um of course there's many factors but again looking back on it I see a lot of it came from my from my dad actually because he was so obsessed with appearances and he would always tell me things like when I was a little girl he's like you're gonna be so big 
He'd say, you're just going to be so big. You're going to be the biggest one. And he would just say stuff like that. And I'm like, and that made me scared because I'm like, I don't want to be big. Like, what are you saying? And then he would say it so much. And it was like, I was six years old and he was predicting all this. I'm like, how are you looking back on it? I'm like, how are you predicting that? And then he would just say like, yeah, your teeth are so big. You're going to be so, we need to get braces immediately. Like he was always saying stuff like that. So it's like, hmm, no wonder I got a fucking eating disorder. So I was always like aware. And then we would have dinner together. And I was always aware, like my dad's going to see my food. Like, let me, I remember I wrote journals from the time I was like nine until, you know, um, early 20s. And I remember I wrote, like, I hope my dad approves my food today. <laughs> like, I hope this is good enough for him. What? <laughs> That's so, it's such a, it's such a neglectful and abusive type of behavior for a parent to do that. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's sad that it's normalized. <sighs> yeah. Like, it's like you hope that maybe in the future, maybe this has already happened. Like, they will own up to it and realize, like, that. They that, won't. <laughs> but, yeah, like you said, many will not. And, like, I, I really feel for people who have been through that because I went through disordered eating. And my parents, for the most part, were not, you know, discouraging me or or saying hurtful things to me because of my food choices for the most part yeah um and I even converted my mom to vegetarianism when I was vegan and you know I made them watch earthlings and all that (laughs) you know it's just like you have to see what's going on in these like slaughterhouses um but anyways you know I really feel for that for me it came from like culture it's the the criticism more so came from culture and the thing about veganism is that not only is it a diet but it is a social experience when you identify as vegetarian or vegan you're saying i stand for something and you know everyone else should stand for it too but i'm going to be the one to stand for it so mm-hmm. it kind of like sets you kind of like apart and i, I that's okay I mean, like, yeah uh, but like it it is very much like i remember reading skinny bitch did you read skinny bitch no no okay so it was written by two like modeling um agency like workers or something there i think i don't know if they were like execs or they worked in the modeling industry and they, they wrote this book, and it was basically, like, there was a chapter on how horrible dairy is. There was a chapter on, you know, all the different um, animals, and, like, it was basically written by celebrity-esque, you know, figures, because mm-hmm. they're, like, in L.A. and whatever. Um, so maybe similar to, like, some of the books that, that you've read, too. I, I, and that's what sort of drew me in, Um and the thing about the diets that, like plant-based diets that sticks out to me is that um, a lot of times the message is like, you just have to cut these foods out of your diet and everything else will really fall into place. Like yeah. you, you, will, you will eventually, you know, lose weight just if you take these things out of your diet and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe add in, you know, more of this or that. But I don't remember this book 
really educating me on carbs, fat, protein, fiber. It was just all, you know, demonizing, you know, um, animal products. So, um, yeah, how, how do you feel now with your food choices? Like, I'm sure this is something you still on some level deal with and you work through, but, Mm -hmm. um, how, I guess if you were to give advice to other women Mm -hmm. (laughs) who, who struggle with like emotional eating, like what would you say? Yeah. Uh, there's there's so much to say. I feel like um I feel like definitely making peace with food is maybe the top priority or one of the top priorities is like not having fear of food and um enjoying food, you know, like that is I think the number one thing when it comes to emotional eating and um, maybe alongside or secondary, I feel like of course, is you need to manage your emotions. Like you need to feel them. And um, really the emotional eating, it, it really is a coping skill, you know, but it's not the best for your health, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and, and then it makes you feel bad afterwards. So it's like you need to find a way to feel your emotions, manage them, cope with them, talk them out, um, write them out, do something with them. And also the other thing about it, too, is like not feeling shameful for what you're feeling Cause that's another, that's another thing on top of already feeling the emotions and then feeling the shame and having to repress. It's like, no, you need to feel them and be gentle with yourself and not shame yourself and not be, not be around people who can't deal with your emotions or expect you to, I mean, it's like, that's, that's what my family did. That's what um, my past employer did. Like, there's just so many w- industries, so many circles where they don't allow you to feel what you're feeling. And it's like, it's hard. Kind of like what you said um, earlier when I was talking about tapering. And um, you said like, it was a privilege that I was more independent, but it's like, I ha- I felt like I had been conditioned to be independent because I didn't feel safe with anybody. No, I felt safe with nobody. So it's like, it's kind of, in a way you have to take the leap of it might feel scary to like not hang out with the same friends or not associate so much with your family or whoever is making you feel shameful but it's like you have to do that sometimes and maybe you can reconnect later but like right now when you're dealing with this you have to make space for yourself yeah i think that's really really solid advice Make space for yourself to heal and to feel all of the all of the emotions that are driving it. And I think we get so blind, I think, when when dealing with trauma and like compulsive behaviors because 
there's so many elements in our life where we're like, oh yeah, we need this. Oh, we need to be independent or we need this partner or we need this diet or whatever. It's like we get very attached to those things and then we forget that like we may be bypassing ourselves and our true emotions. Um, And, you know, yeah, I think everyone kind of goes through, it seems sometimes, this journey of like revisiting the things that we thought we were super attached to, but then we can look at them in a new light. You know, you can look at food in a new light and your relationships and your career and everything starts to, you start to feel it for what it is and the passion is still there and your motivation is there, but it's not an illusion anymore. Like it's something that you can really, um, uh, engage with in a very healthy way, um, where you're not just, you know, uh, being disempowered over and over again, right? Yeah. You start to actually gain, um, gain something from it versus feeling like you have to sacrifice and fight through it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well, thank you so much. I'm getting hungry now that we're talking about food. <laughs> <laughs> I know, same, same. <laughs> so, um, anything else you want to add here? Any last words before we sign off? <laughs> uh, just if you, just if you um, want to connect with me more, you can follow me on Instagram. I have, if you go to my link tree, I have so many things. Podcast, YouTube, Patreon. I also have my website where I offer my services. Um, macrobiotic counseling, personal chef work, meal planning. And yeah, I just want to send a lot of love to everyone listening. If you're struggling, and even if you're not struggling, Claire is a great person to connect with too. And we're just both so happy that you're listening and learning and giving yourself more um, options. Yes. Absolutely. And on that note, if you are still listening or you're watching the replay and you've made it to the end, let us know, comment below or DM us so that we can say hi and introduce ourselves. Um, and yeah, I'll be reposting some of your stuff too today and tomorrow. So Cool. Thanks, Claire. <laughs> thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye.